Hey guys, I'm Esther, owner of Sarah Design. And I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community and covering industry secrets and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. I am sitting in my closet by myself with my dirty laundry right next to me. I've just found that the audio records so much better when I'm in a smaller space that has lots of nice like clothes to absorb echo. I am here today to talk with you guys about pricing, which is probably one of the most requested topics and questions that we get from you guys. Pricing is tough. We have an entire double episode about pricing all the way back in season one. Um, And I honestly cringe like listening back to that episode because yes, there are still some things that I feel like I align with from what I was talking about. Like I think it was four, three or four years ago. But I feel like so much has changed in the way that I approach pricing. At the time that we recorded those episodes, I didn't even know what value-based pricing was. If you don't know what it is, that's totally fine. Um, a great podcast episode that I recommend is Morgan Rapp's episode, all the way back from season three, episode 10. Um, it's called Value-Based Pricing and Shifting Your Mindset with Morgan Rapp. This is one of our most listened to episodes. So if you are brand new to value-based pricing and you have either never heard of it or you're curious about it, that is a great one to listen to. Um, that conversation was even really old when I listened back to it. I was just kind of starting to dip my toes into that world. Um, but it is a great listen and one of our most popular episodes. So before I dive into the conversation today, it's time for roses and thorns. And this is totally off the cuff, guys. I really don't know what I'm going to say, but whatever comes out of my mouth, that's going to be what my rose and thorn is for the week. So my rose for this week is actually writer related. I feel like so many of my thorns in the past couple episodes have been writer related, but we're going to give a shout out to Mr. Writer. He's going to be three years old in one month and he is absolutely killing potty training. I am just so proud of him. His favorite place to go potty is at Target. There's something just, I guess, really fun about going to the bathroom, not at your own house. <laughs> Every single time we walk into Target, he's he says potty, potty, and we, you know, go use the potty at Target. And he's just so proud of himself. It's It's really amazing as a mom to see him kind of in this new phase and no diapers anymore and he's really starting to talk a lot and it's it's so bittersweet but it's you know because he's not my little baby anymore and he's going to be three so soon I'm definitely going to record a three-year update on motherhood and business I've done one every single year just kind of like talking about all the things that I've learned and I have so much so much has changed in this past year when it comes to motherhood so that is my rose for this week and then my thorn actually happened today. I had a discovery call all lined up and she had car troubles. So she had to postpone the call. But I'm really appreciative that she um, let me know. And we're just going to reschedule for next week. Um, I'm super excited. It's for a fine artist. We're going to talk through what doing an e-commerce site for her art would look like. Um, so that's something that's kind of like a bud, um, kind of a thorn in a bud at the same time. Okay, so let's get into the conversation. We're going to be talking about leveraging your expertise and your value when it comes to pricing your offers. So 
the first thing that I wanted to start out by saying is that to understand your expertise, it's actually not always related to your degree or your years of experience. During my time mentoring other brand and web designers, I found a common theme that people are really nervous about the fact that they might be newer to the industry or maybe they don't have a college degree in design. But one thing that I know is true due to my experience in the industry is that stuff does not matter. Not one time have I ever had a client ask me about my degree. One time I did have a potential client ask me how many years of experience I had. I think at the time it was two years of experience. And there were a bunch of other red flags. And I was honest and I said I've been doing it for two years. He was totally like trying to control me from the beginning, the the lead. We did not end up working together, thank goodness. I feel like at the time I was just so like desperate to sign on anyone that had a heartbeat, which is like totally fine. Like you've got to pay the bills, especially in the beginning. I always recommend taking on and working with a wide variety of different clients and styles and industries to like get a good sense of what you like. But that question of like, okay, how many years of experience do you have? It's like, mm, that's a bit of a red flag to me right now. Your value does not come from your years of experience or your degree. Your value comes from the return on investment or the value that you provide your clientele. Um, One example of kind of how I talk about this with potential leads, and I say this on discovery calls, is I kind of compare, I actually contrast my services, so brand and web design services, to someone who is creating a commissioned piece of fine art for someone. That person is creating something that's going to be beautiful. It's going to make their client happy. They're going to put it on their wall. They're going to see it every day, and they're going to love it. Whereas an investment in a creative business service like brand identity and web design, that's designed to give the client financial and other types of ROI as well. So I kind of bring that up on sales calls to help my clients understand, hey, this is not just you're going to pay me and I'm going to give you a service. This is something that is going to have lasting financial and non-financial impact on your business. And then the rest of the discovery call, we basically chat through what that impact looks like, what the client, what type of impact the client wants to see, and then what type of services are going to be best fit for those goals and needs. Um, So that's kind of what we're going to be diving into today. So I'm going to go through a couple of ways to leverage your expertise and value in pricing. One of the first things that I recommend when someone is approaching a pricing strategy is to get to know and evaluate your market. So what does that mean? Um, Some designers do choose to niche by industry. It's definitely not necessary, especially in the beginning of your design studio journey. Sometimes, like I mentioned, it's nice to work with a variety of different people. I do not have a specific industry niche, although I do have specific positioning. I work with creative service providers who love color specifically. So that is my market. Um, But it's really important for you to understand like what type of clients are in your orbit, what type of people are drawn to your design style, if that's part of your positioning, Um, your values, if that's part of your positioning. We have a bunch of content about positioning in past episodes, Um, but it's it's important to understand um, what types of services your leads are even asking you for. Are people coming 
brand first and then you're upselling them to a website? Are they coming in and wanting a website first and then you're having to upsell them to a brand or a brand refresh? Are they wanting to have a full service experience? Are people looking for intensives? Are they looking for hourly work? Um, Are they looking for collateral design, um, templates, anything like that? Um, Craft your offer suite around what your potential clients are needing and what their problems are. That's one of the best ways to start the conversation and, you know, look into how to price your services is to first understand what your clients are actually looking for and what they're needing based off of what their problems are. Another part of evaluating your market is understanding what type of value the clients want. What are their goals? What are they looking to achieve and accomplish beyond just the transaction of paying you money for you to design something for them? Are they looking for more press features? Are they they trying to increase their pricing? Are they trying to work with a certain type of clientele? Are they trying to break into a new market? Um, Are they trying to reposition themselves in their market? There's so many different goals that a client could have. And that to me is the primary goal of all my discovery calls. It's not to share about me. It's not about my studio. It's not about my process. It's not about the timeline. It's not even about the deliverables. It's about what type of value the client wants to see from working with you. And if you start there and work backwards to diagnose their problems with your services, that is how you're able to kind of determine the value to the client and then kind of make the leap into what a typical or good price range might look like for the type of value that the client is hoping to receive. Another part of evaluating your market is understanding like what state your market is currently in. What are people's goals? What's happening in their market? Talk to your audience and pull them on Instagram stories. Ask people on discovery calls Tell, you know, if you have an interior designer, which is one of the biggest, you know, uh, market subsets, I would say, of the creative service provider positioning that I have, ask them what it's like to be an interior designer right now. Ask them what's going on in their industry. Um, You know, people are always following other people that do the same thing that they do. They might have taken a business course. They might be listening to podcasts. That's even something that you can do as well. Listen to podcasts specifically for the type of clientele that you want to be serving to really understand what's happening in their industry and their market. Um, a real world example of this that I've experienced in Hello June is that you know through conversations that I've had with leads and discovery calls and in DMs on Instagram, which is my primary way to communicate with potential clients and leads, um, I learned that post-COVID and even during kind of the latter parts of COVID, that the interior design industry was really taking off. There were a lot of people who are working for larger interior design firms that were going off on their own and needing brand and website design. Um, And that's because a lot of people were staying home. I mean, everyone was on lockdown during COVID. People were hanging out in their house way more often. They were not traveling. Um, And at least in the luxury interior design space, which is what I tend to specialize in, people just wanted to make their home beautiful. And that makes total sense. And once I kind of put two and two together, I was able to actually talk about that in my marketing. Um, and which it, it made a lot of sense as to why I was getting a lot of inquiries from the interior design world. If you notice that you're getting a lot of inquiries from a certain industry, 
But then those inquiries drop off. That might be something to look into and see what's happening in their market right now. Are their clients not really paying for their services? Are they going through a slow season? Um, I feel like it's just so important to be able to speak to potential clients like on their level and show them, demonstrate your expertise of their market so that you can help them market and sell their services through brand and web design. Another way to leverage your expertise in value and pricing is, of course, to determine your pricing strategy and your offer suite. Um, It's kind of like a chicken or the egg situation. It's like, which comes first, the client telling you your problem or you having a service ready to diagnose that problem? So you kind of have to craft it alongside what people are asking for and then also take into account what type of services you are actually good at and that you actually enjoy. Um, there's an entire month in my mini mind um, program, the design mini mind for branded web designers, all about crafting your offer suite and pricing. And we go over a lot of this stuff in that month. Um, so basically what I do for my offer suite is I actually have a, a super simple notion database that has columns for the offer name, typical timeline, description, type of the service, service level. So like low tier, mid tier, top tier, depending on pricing and then price range Um, and kind of fill that out. Even if you don't really know what you want your pricing to be, just kind of put down what the service is, what level of service it is within your offer suite. So if you have like a more high ticket, more full service experience, then that would be on the high, the top tier level. If you have more of an intensive or a day rate or something that's kind of pulled back in terms of deliverables and value, that would probably be more low or mid. And then the price range can be, that can be intuitive. Um, I definitely use a lot of intuition in terms of pricing. That comes with experience from rejection, from a conversion, from clients telling you why they did or did not book with you. Um, We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the episode. Um, But you have to have an offer suite in order to be able to help your clients understand what type of services that you provide. It took me a really long time in my business to even write down a specific offer suite because for so long I was like, oh, well, all of my proposals are completely custom and I, you know, I I do value-based pricing and so I don't have like flat offers like, you know, but I feel like for so, like for so many clients, they were coming to me with such similar problems that I was like, okay, I need to just sit down and craft something internal. It's not external. I don't share my offer suite with clients. I sometimes I have it pulled up on discovery calls, but it's just kind of ingrained in my mind now. You can share, you know, different packages or offers on your website. Um, That's, I feel like, one of the most contentious questions in our industry is like, should you put pricing and offers on your website? It really depends on your clientele and your studio and your strategy. So there's no wrong or right answer there. Um, But once I had that, like, that specific offer suite and I had those, like, kind of price ranges, I typically do maybe a couple thousand dollars in terms of a price range. Um... And then I'm able to adjust from there depending on what the client actually needs. I still send out custom proposals for every client, but it does help the client understand, okay, like what can I even get done with you? And I actually pinned a how to work with me pin on my Instagram profile in the upper left, very first spot that anyone's going to find me on Instagram. They're going to see that and they're going to be able to look through. I'm able to actually look and see what leads are liking that. And I'm able to go and do run targeted engagement with them through Instagram DMs. Hey, I saw you liked my how to work with me post. Is this something you're thinking about for this year or next year? Would love to chat. I've actually gotten a couple inquiry um, inquiries from, from that. And I, it's actually surprising the number of people that will actually inquire with you when you ask them, hey, are you curious about the service? And a lot of the time people are like, oh my gosh, yes, I've been meaning to like do this for so long. And like, I was just, I just kind of found you through Instagram. Yeah, I would love to have a chat. 
Um, it's just so like natural and casual in that way. Have a have an offer suite. Tell your clients about it. Um, decide whether you want to have it on your website or not. But just kind of have that in your back pocket so that when a client says a typical thing that I would hear, which is, I feel misaligned to my brand. I am providing really luxury, high-quality services, but my website does not reflect that. I want to have more press features. I want to attract more high-ticket clients. I want to raise my minimum pricing. I want people to have a reasonable expectation as to what my... um, my pricing is going to look like because I don't share that publicly. I get that all the time. And and so I, I typically say, okay, hey, here's here's what people who have said this to me in the past have bought. So kind of like a bestsellers list. If you ever go online and shop, this is what typically people who have your similar problems are purchasing. Um, and then here's some options within those different services. Another way to leverage your expertise and value in pricing is to make sure that you have a clear understanding of what your value proposition is. Um, This also can be defined as the return on investment that you provide to your clients. This should absolutely show up in your marketing. This if one if a client encounters your marketing and they walk away with one thing they remember about you, it should be your value proposition. You should be able to say it at the drop of a hat to any potential client, anyone who's talking to you in DMs, any client on a sales call. Um, and yeah, this should definitely be something that is like very prominent in your messaging on your website and content um, and social media, et cetera. So I wanted to share an example of my value proposition for Hello June. I start by talking about my positioning a little bit. I say we are a boutique brand identity and web design studio with a thing for elevated branding, sophisticated colors, and a refined yet minimalistic approach. That's definitely like one of the major things that my clients ask me for very often is they want my specific design style. Not every design client comes to you for a specific style. Um, Esther does not have a specific style, although her style has evolved a lot. She definitely kind of niches and positions herself more based on values and industry. Um, but I do like to have that kind of like positioner sentence in the very beginning of my value prop. The second sentence says, we help creative self-made visionaries discover alignment through branding, elevate their positioning, and attract clients with ease. So there you go. Those are the top three things that clients ask me for when I ask them, hey, what are your goals with this project? What type of problems are you currently experiencing? the number one thing that my clients are looking for is they're looking for alignment with their branding. And that's not typically a value-based pricing like check mark or like value lever. Um, It's hard to put a price tag on that, but clients are willing to pay a lot to have a feeling of alignment with their branding because they know that it's going to help their potential clientele also feel that same alignment. And, you know, like I mentioned in the next couple clauses, elevate their positioning with their clients and attract clients with ease. Um, I could add so much more in here, but those three clauses are direct from the mouths of ideal clients that I've had conversations with. Some I've converted, some have worked with other designers, some have ghosted me, um, some have come back in a year and been okay with paying me my increased pricing. Um, But I think it's just so important to understand the value that you provide specifically to your clients and be able to articulate that. Hey, you want to say something? Say hi. Hi. 
Say hi, podcast. Hi, podcast. <laughs> Ryder decided to come in and say hi to me. What do you want to say to the people? Where are you going to go? Going to the pool? A pool. Pool day. Pool day. Have fun, buddy. Can you say bye, podcast? Bye, podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that little interlude from my almost three-year-old potty training amazing guy. <laughs> um, he he knows exactly what the microphone does and what it's for. So I hope you guys enjoyed his sweet little voice. But anyways, I was talking about how I have a section on my website. It's actually on my portfolio or my work page that literally spells out the ROI that past clients have seen from working with me. And so I just kind of wanted to go over a couple of those. You can see this on my website as of now, hellojunecreative.co slash work. If you scroll down just a little bit, one of the headlines says, our goal is for you to see your investment back again and more. So you can get even more specific than that. And I have a check mark list of a bunch of, you know, just a real client, um, ROI that they've seen and they've told me about and that I've I've seen from from their work so um, or our projects together. So um, the list goes cohesive and strategic brand visuals, making your investment back and more during a launch. Um, I had a client who was an e-commerce client do like pretty much the exact amount of her investment, which I believe was 12K at the time during like the first weekend of her e-commerce launch, which was really cool because I can see like the the sales in the back end. Um, another check mark is higher ticket clients, industry recognition, the confidence to show up and sell. That's a really big one. Sometimes I'll even like read these two clients on discovery calls if they're like, help me understand like what, you know, what I could see from working with you. Clarity on who you are and who you serve, increased revenue, united and inspired teams. That was a really big one from a interior design firm that I worked with that wanted to get messaging done in combination with branding. So we did a more full service experience for her and she just really wanted her team to feel united around a common goal, um, which was really exciting for me to work on. Um, Press features, clearer mission and vision, higher perceived value. That is so big. Talking about perceived value with my leads on discovery calls. Like that's such a heavy hitter and such a good thing to talk about during a discovery call because you're basically talking about like your clients are going to expect higher pricing from you after working with me on brand web design. And then alignment with your brand and audience. That's the number one thing that I get asked for from my clients. Your ROI list might look completely different. You might specialize more in e-commerce. You might have more hard data. Um, It's so hard to quantify the value of branding. Um, And notice how in this list, I didn't say like that I guarantee any of those things. These are things that past clients have seen due to, you know, partially due to working with me. And I will never pretend like it was just the brand and the web design that allowed the client to go and make their investment back. But if she had not worked with me, I know for sure she would not have been able to make that money because it was through her e-commerce site. So um, there's ways to talk about what past clients have seen in directly from working with you, but also letting the clients know that like, of course, none of that type of ROI is guaranteed. And a lot comes from the client side, of course, the service, the product, the quality, the customer service experience, um, 
traffic, um, SEO. There's just so many other things that go into it, but you can talk generally about the success that clients have had from working with you, especially if those have been outlined for you in testimonials. The last thing that I have written here on um, under ways to leverage your expertise in value and pricing is to continuously monitor and adjust your pricing for your specific market. So a couple questions to ask yourself around this are, um, are your clients converting too quickly or are you not converting clients at all? That's a good indicator that your pricing might need to shift. If you are converting every single lead that you get, your pricing is probably too low. Um, if you're if, if every single lead you get is leaving or not booking with you because your pricing is too high, your pricing is not a good fit for your market and you need to reevaluate. You either need to target a different market in order to get the type of pricing conversion that you want, or you need to adjust your pricing if you want to stay with that market to be at a place where they're going to see the type of value that they're looking for. That's not to say that every single lead, either booking with you or not booking with you, is a direct reflection on your offer suite or pricing. That was a really, really tough lesson for me to learn because I feel like I would always adjust my pricing after every single rejection and be like, oh, I'm too expensive. I need to lower it $1,000 or like, oh, they booked. And so that means that I can raise my prices even more. Like, I feel like anytime I made drastic decisions like that in the next couple of discovery calls, like it each client is so different. And so I recommend doing this in trends over time, looking back at your past quarter, looking back at the past six months or the past year, the past two years, seeing how things have shifted and changed. And that's the second thing, monitoring your your pricing for your market. Is your client's market shifting? What's going on in their world? Like I mentioned, listen to podcasts, talk to people who our past clients in your industry check in and see, hey, I just am curious about what's going on with you guys. What type of trends are happening? What are you guys seeing in terms of pricing, conversion, project minimums? If you know, talking about the interior design industry, for example, um, have a good finger on like what is happening, so you're not only able to speak about it to your potential leads through your marketing, but you're able to really truly understand the problems that they're experiencing and then talk about those problems in your marketing and be able to craft offers that are going to help the problems that you're, um, the leads that are in your market are currently experiencing. And then last thing I wanted to say uh, under monitoring your pricing is um, that what works in one season might not work in another. So always be evaluating your offer suite compared to your client's goals and needs and revise as needed. Um, There was a time period where I was getting a lot of inquiries for branding and I had just converted a lot of full service packages. And so I was kind of pushing those pretty hard and I was recommending those to a lot of clients and I was getting a lot of rejections. And I realized that um, kind of in the like pre-COVID, like COVID time period, like a lot changed in the world market, of course, but also a lot was changing with creative service providers. There were a lot of people getting laid off and starting new companies. And so I feel like I did see a lot of influx of people who are looking to, you know, in the very beginning stages of their companies 
they didn't need the full service experience. They needed something that was a little bit more pulled back, a little bit less of a high investment. And so I started toying around with crafting one of my highest selling and most popular offers, which is the brand and two weeks intensive. Um, we have a whole episode all about crafting, selling and marketing brand intensives or any type of intensives in your studio. Um, actually this season, I believe. Um, so go back and listen to that one, but that's an exa- a real life example of me understanding what was happening in my market and if re- evaluating things and crafting new offers, launching new offers based on the, the problems and the the hopeful value that a client would want to see from working with me. So in the second part of this episode, I wanted to do a couple of discussion questions. Um, I just love Q&A style um, podcast episodes, so I thought that it would be fun to just ask a couple of questions to myself and then answer them. So this was really fun to kind of go through and like think about what I would say. And I'm going to share that with you guys now. So a question that kind of comes up out of this conversation is, can you describe a time when you had to justify or negotiate your pricing to a client? And then how did you approach that situation? Um, My answer to this is typically that's a red flag for me. If someone is questioning my pricing or questioning my expertise or asking me like how many years experience I have, it it shows me a lack of trust. It shows me like a tentativeness um, in the in the client. And at least the ideal clients that I want to be converting are like ready to jump in with both feet. They fully trust me. They understand my expertise and they respect it and they don't question it. Um, that's not to say that like a lead should not do their due diligence in researching and understanding what type of experience someone has. And I do think that it is relevant to understand years of experience. I don't think that it's always the best tell as to how much you should price yourself at um, or whether a lead should work with you. Um, But I do have a specific situation that I wanted to kind of go over here. Um, If you have a lead question you're pricing on the call or push back on the range that you throw out during the call in a really negative way, what I recommend is just going directly into a conversation about the past value that the clients have seen from working with with you um, and going back to the client's goals and vision for what they want to achieve, hopefully financially, from working with you. Um, so that kind of takes the shift away from someone questioning, well, why do you charge that? And I kind of put the question back on them. It's like, okay, well, what type of value are you looking to receive from working with me? Okay, you want to raise your pricing. You want to get more press features. How do you think that's going to impact your bottom line? What type of percentage growth are you looking at for next year? Do you want to raise your pricing? What type of minimums do you want to have? Like, Those are the type of questions that I kind of come back with, not like in a negative way or anything, but just kind of in a way of like, help me understand more about what you're hoping to get out of working with me. And then that in turn just kind of justifies the pricing. So another question is, how do you ensure that your pricing is competitive while still reflecting the value of your expertise? An important, I guess, KPI to track here is your conversion rate. Um, So like I mentioned earlier, are more people not booking? Are Is everyone booking? What percentage of discovery calls do you convert? What percentage of inquiries do you convert? Um, you can just track this super in a super simple database in Notion. I have a lead list that I track and, you know, 
talk about what the price was and what their problems were and what they told me on the call. And that's actually a great resource for copywriting for your website or for social media, any type of marketing or messaging. But that's a really, really, really important like marker as to whether or not your pricing is competitive within the market. Um, another thing you can do is ask your clients what they're getting quoted by their competitors. I used to be so nervous to do this for some reason, but it's relevant information. <laughs> and if they're willing to tell you, then that is so that's awesome. Um, I think, you know, some some clients or some designers, of course, like myself, choose not to share pricing publicly. So it's hard to kind of snoop around as a designer and see like, okay, like what does she charge? What does she charge? But if you ask a lead, I mean, this is a question that I literally will ask a lot of leads on discovery calls. Are you talking with any other studios and have you gotten quotes from them? What have they said? If you feel comfortable, I would love to hear the price that they shared with you as well as what the um, the scope of the project looked like. Um, and I've gotten clients being like, yeah, they, they quoted me 20k or whatever and so then i am understanding where my services and my offer is falling within the landscape of my market in terms of my competitors um and you know you can you can decide whether to match a competitor's price you absolutely can negotiate in that way i think that if a client you know does not want to share that information that's totally fine um it's not necessarily your business so you can't like be upset if they don't share that information. But that is something that I have been asking more recently. And it's just helpful for me to know like where my pricing falls within my market. And then you also can ask clients that have decided not to move forward with you what their reasoning was. Um, this is something that I've started doing in the last year or so, um, just to collect valuable information that goes right into my lead list of why did this person choose not to work with me? Um, the biggest reason that people choose not to work with me is pricing. And then the second biggest reason is that they want to work with someone local to them, which I think is really interesting. I definitely have lost out on a couple actually pretty big projects due to clients who are in a specific geographic area wanting to work with a local person that can meet with them in person. And I'm honestly fine with that. Like I just, I can't obviously like fly out to have meetings with everyone and they wouldn't want that either. So that's just very interesting to me. And sometimes it kind of helps your mindset a little bit when you get a rejection from someone or you don't hear back on a proposal and then you kind of reach out and you say, hey, I would love to know um, what went into your decision. Either way, it's just really valuable information for me to help me serve my clients at the best level. A lot of the time people would be like, oh yeah, well, this, this, I'm actually not going to do the project at all. Like my priorities have shifted and I'm like not working with anyone. So it's not like they like didn't like you. It's just that like something changed or I've had clients tell me, oh, you know, I actually had something financially happen in my family. And so I'm just not going to be able to make the investment at this time, but I still loved you. And like, I definitely want to work with you in the future. So I'm going to notate that on my lead list and like put a calendar event in my calendar to go and follow up with that person in like a year or whatever, just like give them some time. Um, I feel like the life cycle of a lead can be really long. I've had clients following me in my social media for three plus years who knew that they always wanted to work with me and it just wasn't the right time. Um, or people I've had discovery calls with who have rejected me that have come back years later to work with me. And so it's important to maintain those relationships, even on clients that have decided not to work together, follow up and say, hey, I just wanted to congratulate you on your new launch. Everything looks so great. Like that's a valuable connection to have. And people are going to remember the way that you made them feel, even when you're not getting anything like financially in return from them. And that's just, you know, part of my 
I guess, quote unquote, marketing strategy is just like make friends with people, be nice to people and don't expect any type of return from that. And then you will see return um, based on people wanting to hire you because they really like you. They they enjoy your content. They see your expertise. Um, but it truly is all about just making connections with people. I could go into a whole other episode all about relationship marketing. That'll have to be for season eight. Um, but yeah, um, always ask your past clients who have rejected you why they rejected you. Um, and the last discussion question I have here is, can you give an example of a project where you were able to successfully leverage your expertise to increase the pricing? How did you do it? So this isn't really necessarily about increasing pricing for me because I do have pretty standard pricing depending on what type of service a client is looking for. Yes, I do use value-based pricing principles in order to adjust some of my ranges sometimes. But most of my, you know, offer suites, they pretty they they fall pretty much in a very similar price range depending on the service. So it's kind of like an intuitive approach to value-based pricing. Um, there's an entire module all about that, multiple modules about that in my mini mind program, all about kind of my my intuitive approach to value-based pricing and using value-based pricing principles and marketing, et cetera. Um, so the answer to this question is I said, I wrote down, this is where specializing helps. So this is where really understanding whether that's an industry niche or the type of people that you're working with. I am actually able to talk about past clients and similar industries that I've worked with, what their goals were and what their ROI was on discovery calls. So let's say I have an interior designer. Well, this is the the situation, an example of a project. I had an interior designer um, I mean, this ha- this happens so many times. It's not even just one person where, you know, they were talking about what their goals were, a feeling of a lack of alignment with their services um, and their branding and just really wanting to raise their room minimums and attract more full service builds. And I'm able to speak directly about past clients who have had the same problems that have then been able to go and achieve their goals due to working with me because I understand the industry really, really well. So that's not necessarily an example of me like raising my pricing because of my expertise, but it's kind of more of like a justification and just a way to frame your pricing in a way that helps the client understand that it's not just an exchange of services for money. You're going to be bringing a valuable and expert um, perspective on their specific industry or um, the type of style that they want or anything like that. So yeah. I wish you guys were here to discuss these discussion questions with me, but if you guys have answers to these questions, I would love to hear about them in the Facebook group, um, facebook.com slash group slash better brand designer. This was fun. I love chatting about pricing. Let's wrap up with an inbox question. This is from Hannah James Smith. Hannah asks, how do I position myself as an expert? This is so relevant to this conversation. Um, And the answer really is about the way that you see yourself. And it is so tough with imposter syndrome and seeing other designers who have more experience with you, have been in the industry longer, who are working with the type of clients that you want to. Positioning myself as an expert kind of came over time. It felt really difficult for me to even use the word expert when I first started, and you definitely don't have to use that word specifically, 
But an important thing to remember is that if a client is interested in working with you, they're not trying to DIY their brand (laughs) and you know more than they do. And I think that's all you really need to know about positioning yourself as an expert. It doesn't have to be in terms of everyone else in the industry. It only has to be in terms of your relationship to your client. Are you the expert at creating a show website and the client just really doesn't understand how to create a show a show website, then that you can bring that energy into your marketing, into your messaging, your copywriting, all that type of stuff. But you don't necessarily need to say the word expert if you don't feel like you want to use that word. I still struggle with the word experts. I'm like, oh, there's people in agencies who've been doing this for 30 years. Like they are the real experts. But um, I would consider myself at this point an expert in working with small teams of 10 or less who are creative service providers, either in the fine art, interior design, photography, coaching businesses, in terms of elevating brand identity and web presences. That's what I would consider myself an expert in. I'm also an expert in brand identity and more typographic branding. So if you can get specific about something that you're an expert in, that's usually a little bit more helpful than like, I'm an expert web designer. I don't know if I would say about myself that I'm an expert web designer in general, but when I got specific with myself, then I was able to kind of find something that felt a little bit more like I could say that I was an expert in. So Hannah, let me know if that is helpful. If anyone else has some feedback on or answer to that question, um, we are all ears. Go ahead and post that in the Facebook group um, or make a comment on our most recent Instagram post. So that is it for today, guys. Thank you for hanging out with me in my closet. This was super, super fun. Um, And I will see y'all in next week's episode. Bye, everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air, or you want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thanks to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.